And let me uh, say to all of you, especially those of you that are visiting with us, we're, we're glad that, that you're here. We're glad you're with us. If you're visiting with us for the first time over in the venue, blessings. If you're watching online, we're glad you're with us. And uh, if you're listening on the radio, praise the Lord for, for you also. But I want to pray for all of our married couples, and I know that many of you standing in here and over in the venue right now, you, your marriage is really doing well. It's cranked up on all eight cylinders, and thing, things are good. And praise the Lord for that. But I also know that there are some of you here, and, and your marriage is struggling right now. And most of us in this room that have uh, good marriages right now, we, we've all been there. You, you can't get married and be married for a long period of time and not go through some rough patches. We, we've been there. But I know some of you are struggling right now. And I also know that there are some of you here and your marriage is, at least in your eyes, is, is dead. It's just, just dead. And I want you to know that there's hope because there are couples standing up in this room, I've been here 30 years now, whose marriages were dead. They were dead. I know the stories. And yet Jesus Christ invaded their lives as individuals, which then made a difference in their life as a couple. And literally, some of you don't know it, but there are miracles standing right next to you. And maybe you're the next miracle. Maybe. Father, thank you for these that are standing. I pray that uh, you would bless them as we look at your word. I pray that you'd speak to all of us, whether we got great marriages or we're struggling or marriages seem dead, Lord. Father, pour out your favor on us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you're single... Whether you're a young person, junior high, high school, maybe you've been through a divorce, maybe you're a, a widow, a widower, I don't know. I want all the single folks to stand up, okay? If you're single in here, stand up. Stand up over in the venue if you're single. And uh, here's the deal. Statistics say that the overwhelming majority of you will get married or you'll get married again. Now, some of you are going, I'll never get married again, right. Um, but statistics say you will. Now, I know that there is a small percentage of you who you'll never marry, and God has made you that way and created you that way, and praise the Lord for that. The Bible says that you can put a whole lot more juice towards the kingdom uh, than, say, us married folks can. But the reality is most of you in this room are going to get married. Most of you over in that, the, the venue are going to get married. And last week I gave you a, a bit of advice. And what was that? Choose wisely. You see, that's where it begins. Is that you choose wisely who you're going to spend your life with. And I believe that this series has great implications for all of you also. Father, thank you for all of those that are here that are single, whether they get married or, or not. Lord, I pray you would really speak to them as we walk through this message together. I pray that, uh, Lord, that 
simple phrase, choose wisely, would just bounce around in their minds all of the time. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your word, and I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, grab a seat. Well, obviously, we're in a, a series here at Big Valley Grace called The Fruit That Makes a, a Marriage Great. And as I've shared with you, it's really a series about relationships. So whether you're single or you're married, I, I guarantee you, you're going to get something out of it. Now, our theme verse is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, which I want us to say out loud together, okay? Over in the venue in here, here we go. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now last week we looked at love. We zeroed in on love. We looked at what God has to say about love, and one of the things we learned was that love is a choice. God says that we're to put on love. We're to make the choice to, to love. Our memory verse last week was Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, which says, and over all these virtues, put on love. It's a choice that you make. Now today we're gonna zero in on, on joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And to get us started, I, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 24, and if you have a Bible, you can turn there, or all of the verses will be inside your, your program that you received. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, don't own a Bible, or they'll come up on the, on the jumbotrons for you to, to, to see. Proverbs 24, verse three says, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. It takes knowledge to fill a home with rare and beautiful treasures. Wise people have great power, and those with knowledge have great strength. So you need advice when you go to war. You also need advice when you get married on how to have a great marriage. You need advice. When you get married and finally have children, how to raise your children to God's glory. If you have lots of good advice, if you have lots of good wisdom, you'll win. You'll have a great marriage, in other words. You'll have a great family. You'll have great children, a great home. If you have great advice, you'll choose the right soul to marry. You'll make a wise choice. Beloved, God wants you to be wise about your marriage. He wants you to have an understanding of how your marriage operates because the better you understand your marriage, the better the chances are your marriage will last and be all that you and your spouse want it to be. And more importantly, it'll be all that God longs for it to, to, to be. You see, the reason a, a lot of marriages fall apart is simply due to ignorance. They're, they're unaware of the dynamics that are taking place within the relationship. I've had people say to me, Pastor Rick, I, I don't even know what happened. I have no idea what went wrong. One minute, you know, we were doing great, and then something began to change. We used to love each other deeply. Now we can't, you know, stand each other. What happened? There used to be great joy in our marriage, and now there just seems to be none. Well, today we're going to gain some wisdom. We're going to gain some understanding. I, I, and how I want to begin is I, I want to quickly share with you the three common stages 
of marriage. Now, I've shared these with you uh, before, but I want to go over, uh, uh, over them again because I think they're important, and, and we have a lot of uh, new people here, okay? And if you're single, I want you to remember them because someday if you get married, and the chances are good that you will, you're going to be in at least the first two stages. And if you know this going in, it won't come as a shock. It won't come as a surprise. You'll, you'll be prepared uh, for it. Okay, but sadly, m many of you will never make it to the third stage. So I, I want everybody to pay close attention, okay? Stage one is the, the, the everything is fantastic stage. Okay, this is where there's, you know, great joy in your marriage. And uh, we've all been there. This is how most, if not all, marriages start out right here. And I think that Song of Songs, chapter 2, really captures what this stage is all about. Verse 2 says, Like a lily among the thistles is my darling among young women. Oh, wow. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delight, delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples for I'm weak with love. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Promise me a woman of Jerusalem by the gazelles and wild deer not to awaken love until the right time. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Is that unbelievable? <laughs> Just want you to know, my wife often, you know, likes to refer to me as a swift gazelle. <laughs> or a young stag. Lee, it's been a long time since we've heard that, hasn't it? Man, oh man. Well, it gets even better. Stage one is unbelievable. We, we all remember those days. Man, those were incredible days, but, but man, it gets better. As I said, chapter four, listen to this. You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Now listen, guys, don't ever say that to your woman, okay? They go to a beauty shop, get their hair all dooted up. Don't come in and say, hey, listen, your hair is like a flock of goats, man. That's a... <laughs> in biblical days, that, that really had a, a special, you know, deep meaning. Don't, don't do that today. Your teeth, he goes on and says, are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. In other words, she had a full rack. She had them all. They were all there. This is, this is just one of the beautiful women. 
Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with shields of thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, two fawns of gazelles among the lilies. <sighs> Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flees, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are all together beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Whoa. Whoa. Man. Man, I gotta, I gotta catch my breath. Remember this stage? This is stage one. Everything is fantastic. Everything is great. There's unbelievable joy in this first stage. Everything is thrilling. There's an intensity that's almost indescribable. I want you to think back to, to those days. Think back to them. You're totally absorbed in the other person. You, you, you really have a crush on them. Remember those days? When you were dating and courting and you finally got married, it was like, there was just, it was a crush. It was, un, it was unbelievable. The gal in Song of Songs says, I'm faint with love. Solomon says, there, there's no flaw in, in you. There's no flaw in you. Remember those days? <laughs> Some of you go, yeah. Some of you are in this first stage right now. In this first stage, as I said, there's joy, 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 unspeakable joy, lots of joy. And the reason there's lots of joy is because you're totally thinking about the other person. All you care about is meeting your spouse's needs. That's, that's all you think about. That's all you dream of. All you care about is making your spouse happy. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 20. He said, there's more joy. There's more happiness in giving than receiving. That's what this first stage is all about. It's why there's such incredible joy in this first stage. All you care about is giving, giving. I want to be a blessing to you. How can I be a blessing to you? I just want to make you happy. All I care about is what's going on in, in your life. And I'm going to talk more about this in just a moment. Now, there's also a lot of ignorance in this first stage. Yes, there's great joy and all that. But you're also blinded by your love to each other's humanity. The fact is, you really don't know your spouse as well as you, you think you do in this first stage. You, you, you really don't know what they're like. You really don't know what you're in for, really. You see, during this first stage, you, you tend to ignore the differences that you have with your spouse. You tend to overlook their faults. You tend to sweep under the carpet, you know, any major conflict you have. And the most important thing you need to understand is that this first stage doesn't last. If you're in it right now, praise the Lord. But you need to understand something. It's not going to last. If you're single here and you get into this first stage, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 99% of all marriages begin right here. 
but it doesn't last. It can't last. Now, it can last for a long time. There's not a time frame on it, but it can't go on like that forever. Sooner or later, you start to figure out that you and your spouse have some differences. Start to figure out, you know, my, my spouse has a flaw. I guess Romans chapter 3 applies to my spouse. She has sin. See. You start to see some of the faults or spouse has. You start to, you know, see the differences in your temperaments. You begin to see the influence of your in-laws. You didn't notice any of that, you see. You start to realize that, wow, my spouse grew up in a home where if you did something wrong, you know, mom and dad gave you a little swat on the tush. There was corporal punishment. But maybe you came from a home where that, they didn't do that kind of stuff. And now little Johnny comes along and your husband or your spouse goes to spank and you don't spank it. Oh, you got tension. See? You start to realize that there's more life than just having fun, making out, necking. You gotta pay bills, you gotta wash the dishes, you gotta clean the apartments, you gotta work late some nights, you gotta help your spouse when they got the flu and they're hanging their head over the toilet, you know, throwing up. You didn't see any of that. The only time you ever saw your spouse had their hair all dooted up and had all their makeup on just right and they had all the great smells all over them that looked fantastic. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're. Husband comes out in a t-shirt and sketty all over him, and hey, what, what, what's for dinner? You know, it's like, uh, uh, <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> you said I do to me about a year ago. <laughs> Unbelievable how that happens. And by the way, it goes the opposite way too, ladies. You look all nice, got your hair all fixed up, you got the, the, the perfume on, you look fantastic. And that's how your man always saw you. And now your man gets home from work and the makeup's off and your hair's not dooted up and, you know, what happened? Just, just what happened? There was a reason why you put on the clothes and got your hair fixed up and put your makeup on. There was a reason. That reason doesn't go away just because you say those two little words, I do, see. Look, there's nothing wrong with this first stage, and it can last a, a, a long, long time. But there will come a moment when it ends and you get to stage two, okay? And every marriage gets to stage two. Stage two is the, I didn't sign up for this stage. <laughs> you know, the joy is gone. And this is the wisdom. This is the understanding, singles. Don't panic when you get here. In other words, you're going to get here. Every marriage does. Some of your marriages are here right now, I know. Proverbs chapter 20 says, a nagging wife is like water going drip, 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 drip on a rainy day. How can you keep her quiet? <laughs> By the way, 
That's the same guy who just wrote all that two fawns, twin gazelles, perfect teeth, eyes like a dove thing. Same guy. Something's changed. What happened to the gazelles and the neck like a tower of, you know, David? Things change. Doesn't mean they're evil or wicked or wrong. Doesn't mean your marriage is over, the love is gone. Let's just divorce. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means the reality is your marriage is just in a different stage. In Song of Solomon, you know, he said, man, you're, 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 you're perfect, you're flawless, there's nothing wrong with you. There's this great love and joy, you know, and all that, everything is fantastic, and then at some point something changed. The honeymoon was over, the party was over, the joy is gone. One of B.B. King's greatest songs was, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. It's gone away from me. The thrill is gone, baby. The thrill has gone away from me. Although I still live on, but so lonely I will be. And that's kind of the way it is in your marriage right now, isn't it? The thrill is gone. Oh, you're there. You're still living on, but you're just kind of lonely right now, aren't you? Something's, something's kind of missing, and you could change the, the thrill is gone. It could be the joy is gone. The joy is gone. It's gone. It's gone away. I'm living on, you know, gutting it out. But I'm going to be lonely. You don't have to be. And I'm going to give you some, some thoughts here in, in, in a moment. But that might describe your marriage right now. Let me give you a couple of words that might describe this stage of a marriage. One is dullness. Okay, your, your marriage begins to experience routine, boredom sets in, you become complacent, you lose interest. You see, when you were dating, you always made sure you looked good, right? You smelled good, your teeth were always brushed, and that your hair was always combed, and, and now that's not the, the, the case anymore. Dullness just kind of sets in. Uh, another word might be disagreements. Your marriage begins to experience strife and disharmony. You begin to clash over differences. You begin to argue over decisions that need to be made. Maybe, maybe you disagree on how to handle certain things, like the finances or whatever it might be. And this always leads to the third word. You get defensive. Your relationship begins to experience a communication breakdown. You're not as open as you once were. You, you don't always, you know, you don't want your faults used against you, so you start protecting yourself. You don't let your guard down like you used to. You're not as open and vulnerable as you used to be. Word four is your relationship becomes a, a disappointment. You begin to think, man, I feel cheated. I got into this marriage and now I want out of it. I have these secret feelings of regret and, and now I'm trapped and I don't know how to get out of it. You know, well, well, what have I gotten myself into? And some of you are going, Pastor, you're reading my mind. No, I'm not reading your mind. I'm just a human being. We've all been there. I, I, we get it. I can't count how many you know, people have said to me, you know, Pastor Rick, did, did I do the right thing? Did I marry the right person? Did I make a mistake? Was I not listening to God? You know, why didn't I listen to my mother? Right? And that, that, that starts running through your brain. Listen, 
When, when these four Ds, dullness, disagreements, defensiveness, and, and disappointment, l- l- let, me, let me tell you what happens. They always set you up for the two big Ds, depression and or divorce. These are the inevitable results of stage two. You, you split up, you, you dump the bum, you know, you divorce, or you internalize all your anger and frustrations and simply endure the, the misery for the rest of your life, and we call that depression. There's just no joy in your relationship whatsoever. Can't count how many people have said to me, Pastor Rick, my relationship to my wife or my husband is really getting me down. I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. There's no joy in our relationship anymore. It's amazing the change between stage one and stage two because everybody who's in stage two remembers stage one. You just remember it. Man, just I don't know what happened, you know. Something just you know, began to to change and look where we're at now kind of a thing. So how does this happen? How how, how do you go from stage one to stage two? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me give you the big one, okay? I want to take you back to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20. Jesus said there's more happiness, there's more joy in giving than there is receiving. You lose your joy when you focus on receiving rather than giving. You see, in stage one, it's all about your spouse and your love for them and your care for them and meeting their needs and caring about them and worrying about them and praying for them. And man, it's almost like you're not even a part of the equation. And they're doing the same thing. You get to stage two and things are different. Now it's about you, right? My needs aren't being met. What's happening, what about me kind of a thing? And it's all about, what am I going to get out? I'm not, man, you're, you're not loving me the way you're supposed to love me. You're not taking care of me the way you're supposed to take care of me. And all of a sudden, everything has just been flip-flopped. Now, Jesus didn't say that there wasn't any happiness in receiving. He didn't say that. He just said, there's a whole lot more joy, a whole lot more happiness when, when you're out there and you're caring about other people like your spouse. And I'm going to talk more about this in a moment. Now, when you get to stage two, you basically basically got three options. You got three alternatives, if you will, at this point. You either break up, you break down, or you break through. You break through. You break through to stage three. Now, in America, unfortunately, most marriages never get to stage three. The average length of a marriage in the United States is about eight years, depending on whatever research you're, you're, you're looking at, that means they never get to stage three. They, they never break through. They go through the first stage. Every marriage does. Woo! Everything's fantastic. Everything's great. Nobody breaks up. No one gets depressed in stage one. Everything's fantastic. There's great joy in, in that stage. And then they get stuck in the second stage. They get stuck in the, man, I didn't sign up for this. What happened to the joy? It's gone. And everything comes crashing in on them, so they either break up or they break down, which means they never make it to stage three. Stage three is the mature love stage. This is where there's deep joy. It's a different kind of joy. It's a joy that has nothing to do with the outward you know, circumstances of life. 
This is a, 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 something that a lot of you in this room, I know, experience. Oh, you, you had the everything's fantastic stage. We've all had that. You've been through stage two where, whoa, I ain't signed up for this, right? This is rough. This is no good. Where'd the joy go? But you never gave up. You didn't give up. This mattered. The vow that you took mattered. And you worked on it. You worked through it. And you prayed through it. Now you're at, at, at stage three. It's a, it's a mature love. I shared with you last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. That, that's how you make it to stage three. I'll talk more about that, Lord willing, week to come. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And love never fails. I, I handed out last week uh, this frameable little picture where I put on there the verse, the fruit of the Spirit, and then I took 1 Corinthians 13, verses three and four, and just kind of packaged it in a way. My friend Sharon down here was a blessing in putting all this together. Love is patient, love is kind, and then at the bottom it, it says, and all, over, all these virtues put on love. And I've enjoyed getting the, the emails. I've got a lot of pictures from some of you who have showed me where you put this in your office right there in front of your desk. Some of you, ours is on our kitchen table at home. And so every time I walk by it, my wife, wife walks by it, my children walk by it, we see what real love, mature love, deep love looks like. This is it, we're reminded of it all of the time. And, and, and if you got one, hopefully you've done the same thing. If you didn't, I think we may have a, 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 a few left for you. This isn't puppy love. This isn't infatuation or you know, some sort of romantic love. This is a mature love. This is what the final stage of marriage is all about. But the sad truth is, as I shared, too many marriages don't make it there. Now you can be at stage three and get back to stage two again. And then you gotta apply some of the things I'm gonna talk about in a minute, get back down to stage three. You're gonna fluctuate between the, between the three. But when you make it to stage three, wow, there's just something different in a marriage. There's something different in your relationship. Not that stage one isn't fantastic. Stage one is fantastic. But it doesn't even compare to the richness and the complexity and the texture of stage three. So what do you do if you're in stage two? What, what do you do if the joy's gone from your life or your marriage? How do, you, how do you get it back? How do you get it back so that you can continue moving towards stage three or maybe get yourself back to stage three? Well, the first way is this. Number one, joy comes when you focus on giving rather than receiving. Once again, Jesus said, there is more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. Have I made that clear yet? Hey, this guy only has one thought on his mind. 
that I would be a giving person. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's not a greater thought I'm going to give you today as it relates to marriage. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said there is more joy when you're focused on the other person. Not to say that you don't have needs and not to, to say that those needs don't need to be met. And I told you last week, if you're here, I'm going to get there in a few weeks. But where true happiness is, where true joy is, is when you are focused on your spouse. When you care more about what's happening in their life than you do your very own life. This is the, the first key to joy in a relationship. It's focusing your energy, your juice on somebody else like your spouse rather than, than yourself. This past week, um, uh, myself and my wife and some friends of ours, Paul and Mika Harmon and, and Gretchen and uh, Ben Miller, um, all got away for uh, three nights and we went to a beautiful bed and breakfast place and we're all friends and um, laughed a lot and, and, and talked a lot and, and just had a, d a delightful time being together. Well, we were having dinner one night and um, all of a sudden the three ladies who were all friends and obviously we're, we're all friends said, hey, we need to tell you guys about something. And they began to unpack the fact that they had had a secret meeting. <laughs> Just the ladies. And they had met, I don't know what it was, a few months ago, and they all got together and said, you know what, um, let's, let's really plan and strategize how we could be a greater blessing to our husbands, to our men. And so they began to pray, and they got this book. It's called The Husband Project. <laughs> and we are a project, aren't we, Lee? I mean, it's just an ongoing project. But th this gal had came and talked with our mops group, but basically the whole thing was about how you could love your man better, treat your man better, treat him with great honor, respect, all those things. And then there were little projects that you would do throughout the week to be a blessing to your man. And they began telling us a story. And if I could rename the book or, or tell you what that little group of gals meeting over those months was, it, it could have been entitled, There's More Joy, There's More Happiness in Giving than there is in Receiving. Because that's what the whole thing was about. They were just going to love their men in ways that would be a huge, huge blessing to them. Now, I know for those of you that are feminists, you're thinking to yourself, Ooh, what a horrible thought that is. Loving my man and thinking of my man. But if you want to have a great marriage, Jesus said, there's more joy, there's more blessings, there's more happiness when you choose to think about the other person. And by the way, that goes for us too, men. I don't know if she wrote a book called the, the Wife Project, but she needs to. Because we need to be doing the same thing. This just wasn't written to women. This is written to both of us. Hey, there's more happiness. There's more joy when you focus your life and your attention and your juice on the other person, your spouse. Now here's the, the bummer. Society has trained us to do the exact opposite of this first step. 
which is why so many marriages are failing. Society says you gotta look out for number one, right? You gotta do what's best for you, right? And when you have this kind of thinking, it'll ruin your marriage. It'll suck the joy out of your marriage and it'll also make your own life a, 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 just a misery. Society says you gotta think about you, you gotta think about what's in it for you, what's best for you. Beloved, when you think this way, when you have this attitude in your marriage, here's what happens. When there's nothing in it for you or there's nothing left for you, I think I'll just end the thing because there's nothing in it for me anymore, you see. You'll never make it to the third stage. Let me put it to you this way. There are basically three kinds of love and the first two just don't work. Okay, the first kind of love is the I love you if. I love you if you love me. I love you if you'll please me. I love you if you'll do the things I want my way. I love you if you'll provide for me, you know, financial security or whatever. I love you if you give me all the things I want. Now the problem with this is what happens if the if changes? See, a lot of people get married on this first kind of love. I'll love you if. And if the if changes, the relationship's over. It's also called conditional love. I'll love you if you do this, you see. I'll love you if you do this. I'll love you if you, you know, do whatever all this thing is. You know, make me dinner every night when I get home from dinner or, or from work. Okay? It doesn't last. The second kind of love is this. I love you because. Now, this is better than number one, but it's not much better. I love you because you're good looking. I love you because you're talented. I love you because you're smart. I love you because you're a great person. I love you because you have a great personality. I love you because you have a great sense of humor. I love you because you do things for me. I love you because you have a great big bank account. I love you because you pay attention to me. But again, what happens if somebody comes along that matches the qualifications better? What if you find somebody who's smarter, who's prettier, who's handsomer, wealthier, pays more attention to you, makes you laugh more, has a better sense of humor than you do? See, if you got that kind of mindset, well, you know, I met this guy at work. I met this gal, you see. She's funnier. She makes me laugh. She's a better listener. See, I loved you because you, you were a good listener, but I met, I met somebody who's better at it. Now, the third kind of love is this. It, 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 this is the love that works. The third kind of love is I love it, period. This is... You know, this kind of love focuses on giving rather than receiving. Another way you could word it would be this. I love you in spite of. I love you in spite of the fact you're not a perfect human being. I love you in spite of the fact that you don't have it all together. I love you in spite of the fact that there are better looking people out there than you. I love you in spite of the fact there are people out there that are funnier than you. I love you in spite of the fact that there are people out there, you know, that uh, stimulate me intellectually more than you do. I love you in spite of the fact that, you know, there are wealthier people out there than you. I love you in spite of the fact that sin sometimes gets the better of you. In other words, I love you, period. Beloved, you could bring the most beautiful, most talented, most influential, most spiritual, most wealthiest woman in the world up here right now, and I'd still choose my wife. 
You know why? Because I made the choice to love her, period. Not if or because, but period. I stood before a group of witnesses and before God Almighty, and I said, I love you, period. Regardless of all the other stuff, whatever that stuff may be. And when you make the choice to love someone, period, that produces joy. Why? Because when you make the choice to love, period, you're focused on giving rather than receiving, which is the essence of love. And by the way, when you're focused on giving rather than receiving in your relationship, that's when you're being most like God. The Bible says this about Jesus. In fact, Jesus said this about himself. He said, for even the Son of Man, even Jesus came not to be served. Did you hear that? Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. In a lot of marriages, when you're in stage two, it's all about, I want to be served. And because you're not serving me, I'm done. Jesus, the one in whom we follow, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the bright and morning star, leaves the glory of heaven and he comes here and he said, I, I didn't come here that you would serve me. Did he deserve to be served? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he came to serve others. And that is our great example, spouse, that we would be a servant to our spouse. Men, that we would be servants to our wives. That we would make them a project and say, I'm gonna do all that I can to figure out how I can be a blessing to my wife's life. I'm gonna figure out all the things. One, one, of, the, one of the things was, uh, one of the projects was, um, find something that's really bothering your husband, that's driving him crazy, and fix it for him. I have had a, uh, uh, a I don't know, five years ago we bought a new car, and it had, uh, it's a Toyota, and it has Bluetooth in it, okay? Okay. I, I could not figure out, five years, never even used my Bluetooth. Didn't know how to work, and I'd be frustrated. Ah, I can't get the, I don't know how to work my Bluetooth, and you know, man, it just drove me up a wall. So my wife just got a new car, and she got her Bluetooth all fixed up, we're in her car one day, and she's talking on her phone and her Bluetooth. And I'm going, man, she's got Bluetooth, and I got it, I can't, and she can just say a name. John Byron, just dials. And I'm, I, got, I got that in my car. I was so frustrated. So I take a nap, uh, I don't know, a month ago. And I wake up, and my phone's gone. And I, where's my phone? Oh, my kids stole my phone, Lee. I was, I was mad. I got up, where's my phone? King, where's my phone? Crazy, who's got my phone? You got your own phone, give me, where's my phone? So I can't find anybody. So then I go out into the garage, and my car's gone. Where's, where's my car? Man, my wife just got a brand new car. She can't drive her own car. She took my car. 
She got my keys. I can't go anywhere. Someone's got my phone. Someone picked it up. She threw it in her purse. And I just, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I'm such a loser. So all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, my wife comes up in the car. Hey, where's, where'd you take my car? You got a car. You got your own car. And I think you put my phone in your purse. You picked my phone up. You didn't even look, and it's in your purse, and you hadn't, well, I, I couldn't get through to anybody. What if there was a nuclear holocaust? <laughs> well, I couldn't get through to anybody. And she says, well, I'll tell you what I did. I, I took your car down to Toyota, and I got your Bluetooth all fixed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that's, that's really great. I, I appreciate that. I'm just, I'm this total loser. You know, I'm just totally, oh yeah, that's really nice of you. Okay, now I had no idea this was all going on, but that was one of the projects, you know, find something that, you know, and here she was saying, you know what, I'm gonna be a blessing to him. I took time out of her day, out of her schedule to go down, make the appointment, set it all up, get it all figured out, you know, you know for, for, for me. That's, that's the attitude that Christ wants us to have for our spouses. We care about them. Look, if there's no joy in your marriage right now, the chances are pretty good. It's because your focus has shifted. It's shifted from how can I serve you, how can I be a blessing to you, to, man, I want to be served. I want you to meet my needs. And, and there's a place for that. There really is, and I'll talk about that at, at some moment. But what's way more important than your needs being met is the fact that you care about others, your spouse, that, that their needs are, are being met. Listen, God designed life in such a way that joy doesn't come from making yourself happy. Joy comes from making other people happy. God designed it that way. You're wired like that. Let me give you an illustration. If you want there to be joy in your life and in your marriage or whatever, th this has to be the, the order of your priorities. Jesus, he's gotta be number one. You gotta say, God, I just wanna get close to you. I just, I just wanna love you. I just wanna be more like you. I wanna be more conformed to the image of, of, of you. And remember, he came to serve. And you make him the, the focus. And, and then number two, you gotta think about others, your, your spouse. You show me somebody who isn't focusing on their spouse and I'll show you somebody who doesn't have Jesus in the crosshair of their life. And then, once you have Jesus, others, now you think about yourself. And it's not that you don't think about yourself, but that has to be the, the order and when you do, you can see there's joy there. Now what happens though in stage two is, is it gets a little goofed up. You, you have yourself, number one. And you, 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 once you're there, then Jesus drops to the bottom of the heap. And then, then there are others, and then there's Jesus. And this is why some of you are struggling right now. This is why you're stuck in stage two, is you got the order wrong. You've allowed yoige to, to invade your life. And yoige is ugly. There's no pill you can take for yoige. There's no ointment you can rub on your body to get rid of yoige. 
There's no surgery that can be done to get rid of yoids. There's only one way you get rid of yoids, and that's called repentance. That's the only way you get rid of yoids. You repent and you say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that you are not the number one thing in my life. Ten Commandments, first four. You'll have no other gods but before me, God says. Number two, don't make for yourself an idol. Number three, don't misuse my name. And number four, set aside a day that's kind of special, that's designated to me and for me. You see, once Jesus is out of first place, it's, it's just major sin in your life. And it's just gonna mess your own life up, it's gonna mess up your marriage, it's gonna mess up your relationship, it's gonna mess up your family, your parenting, it messes up everything. So the only way you get rid of your age is you gotta repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Yes, maybe my needs aren't being met. Maybe my spouse isn't loving me the way I'm supposed to be loved. But you know what? I'm going to love. I'm going to serve anyway. You see, when Jesus Christ came here for you and for me, we didn't love him. We didn't care about him. I used to mock him and make fun of him. And I used to use his name in vain. I had other gods but him. I mocked his church. I mocked his people. And Jesus still came. And he still served me. Just because my spouse may not want to meet all my needs and care about me, and I still am called to be like Jesus. And I got to put Jesus number one in, in my, my life. Look, now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Rick, when I get home from work, I'm exhausted. I don't have any left to give. I just can't seem to muster up enough strength to, to, to put my, my spouse first. And beloved, everybody in here gets that. You heard it in our video. John Starr, in those early days of his marriage, working two jobs, gutting it out. A lot of us can remember those days. And he'd come home and he'd sit in his driveway and say, oh God, Father, I got nothing left. I'm empty and yet, I'm gonna go in and do what's really important now. Serve my wife. Serve my children. Help me, God. Help me. Beloved, the only way you ever can pull this off is you gotta have uh, Jesus Christ in your life. You're daily walking with him. You're daily in his word. You're daily in prayer. You're enjoying your relationship with God. Listen, because of sin, I'm naturally self-centered, and so are you, which means the only way you're ever gonna pull this off, the only way you're ever gonna love your spouse and meet their needs above your own is that you gotta walk closely with, with Jesus. I'm thankful for our women's ministry in the retreat that's coming up. Ladies, you ought to be at that. I don't like the fact that my wife's going to be gone. I like her home. I, I like the, the joy she brings into our home. I, I like her, her company. I like the fact that, you know, she can cook. I, 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 there's, just, there's lots of things I like about having my wife around the house. But I also know that her walk with Jesus trumps whatever it is I like. And I know that that retreat's gonna be a huge blessing in her life, which means it's gonna pour over into my life. It's gonna pour into our family's life. You gotta sign up for that. The follow class, some of you are new in the Lord, you're new in the faith. 
You gotta give up seven weeks of your life and come down to the follow class where we get to meet each other, I get to meet you, you get to meet me, and more importantly, we get to meet the Lord and walk with him and learn about him a little bit more. The daily meditation page. I've heard some great things about how God has used this in your lives. You see, these are some of the tools that will get you to walk closer with the Lord, and you need to take advantage of, of that. Remember the triangle I, I shared with you last week? In fact, Rex and Nancy Klein reminded me of it. You're going to hear their testimony. There's God, and there's you, and there's your spouse, right? When you're moving closer towards the Lord, when you're enjoying your walk with God, what naturally happens is you and your spouse get closer together. That's what naturally happens. Now, it can be that one spouse decides, I don't want to get closer to God, and there's nothing you can do about that but at least you'll be closer to God. But if both of you, if you're in stage two right now, listen to me, if both of you will make the commitment that we want to know the Lord and walk closer with him, I guarantee you, your, your, your marriage will, will, will change in a, in a heartbeat. The Bible says in Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. When you are close with the Lord, when you're walking with the Lord, when you're reading his word and praying and meditating on the word, when you're doing the daily meditation page, when you're going to our women's ministry events and you're getting closer to the presence of the Lord, let me tell you something, that's where you find joy. Because it's at that moment, guess what you're doing? You're focusing on others. And Jesus said, there's more happiness and joy when you're focused on others. Now, for those of you that will go nuts, I'm... Uh, Number two is joy comes when you focus on forgiveness rather than revenge. And number three is joy comes when you focus on God's power rather than your problems. And I wish I had time to talk about them, but I don't. This is what I want everybody to do. Pastor Bobby Fisher had you, or Bobby Kircher had you pull out that card. Everybody pull that card out right now, okay? Because I'm gonna do something special with it. Um, I called uh, our administrative uh, assistant, uh, office manager, and said, hey, I need an email to go out immediately. And this was uh, yesterday, because I had this idea from the Lord. And I want everybody to fill that card out, okay? Everybody fills it out, and if you're a first-time guest, please, whether you're here over in the venue, let us know you're here for the first time. Okay, I'd love to send you a little note thanking you for, for coming, and we always have lots of first-time guests, guests. Maybe this is your second time. Let me know that. Then you're gonna get down to the bottom here. Now listen to me, listen, pay attention. Everybody, focus, focus, focus. Um, what I want you to do down at the bottom is I want you to write down, hey, right now we are in stage one of our marriage. Just write that down. If you're in stage one, write that down. If you're in stage two, I just want you to just write stage two, the bottom of that card. If you're in stage three, would you just write that? We're in stage three. And Monday, we're going to, I'm gathering all the pastors and everybody in the rotunda or the reception area of the church over there, and we're going to gather together, and we're going to take these cards, and we want to pray for you. If you're in stage one, we want to rejoice in the fact that you're in stage one. We want to rejoice with you. And we want to pray that you would have the wisdom to understand there's going to come a moment you're going to get to two. If you're, if you're in stage two, we as a staff, the spiritual leaders, want to pray for you. We want to pray for those of you that are in stage two right now. 
If you're in stage three, we want to rejoice with you. We want to pray that God keeps you in stage three. Because I've been around long enough to know there have been lots of people in stage three, that deep love stage, where there's just deep joy and something happened along the way and they fell back into stage two and they're no longer together anymore. And so we as your spiritual leaders wanna make sure that we're praying for you. Maybe you're a single person here and you're going, well, what about me? Maybe there's a request. Maybe you would just say, pray that I would have wisdom to know whether the guy I'm dating, the girl I'm dating is the right one. Maybe just, hey, give me wisdom that I keep my life pure, that I don't get goofed up in sexual immorality uh, before I get married or whatever it might be. I don't know. I don't know what your prayer request is, but you put it on there and I promise you, Tomorrow morning, we're going to gather and we're going to pray for you. And on the way out, uh, over in the venue, wherever you're at, you can just drop these off to one of the, um, you know, ushers. And I'm, I'm literally going to take all these home tonight. I, I, I never do that. I've never done this. But I'm taking every one of these cards home tonight. And I just want to spend some time, like I do every Sunday afternoon, just praying that God would continue to, to, to work in, in, in your lives. Okay, why don't you stand up over in the, the, the venue, why don't you stand? And I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And Pastor Scott's gonna pray over in the venue, Pastor Chad's gonna pray here in just a moment, but close your eyes just for a moment. The, the venue is, uh, or the altar room is, is always open. And maybe you're here and you'd like for one of us to pray for you today. The pastors and elders of our church will be in there to pray. The preaching's done, but God ain't done. He's not done in your life. And for those of you that are in stage two, listen, there's hope. There's hope. You just have to apply just that one thought about I am now going to forget about me and I'm just going to be a blessing to my spouse and I'll let the chips fall where they may. Now imagine if both spouses were to do that. <laughs> we call that a miracle waiting to happen. Literally. In a heartbeat, your marriage could change. Really good. Chad, would you pray?